Good morning, fellow Gooners, and welcome to another episode of Canon Talk. I'm here this morning, my host as usual, Aiden. How's it, guys? I hope everybody had a good international break and enjoyed the two games that we came back to watch, Crystal Palace and Aston Villa. I'm going to kind of throw a uh, spanning the works the way we normally play now, podcasting, so we had to almost like delay it in a way. Um, yeah, also going into the Crystal Palace match with a more adventurous side than usual. I mean, I think what I like from the, uh, like, you know, when I saw the, the, the team news, going with only just like one holding midfielder drafting Pepe into the squad. And my mindset was, I mean, if you're having a setup like this at home, you're playing a Palace team that's also having a very iffy season. So I was, I mean, really positive going into the game. How's your thoughts on the squad? No, definitely when I saw the squad, I thought they were going to kind of um, play just party as a holding midfielder on his own and kind of allow Odegaard and, and Smith Rowe to, to kind of do their thing in front of him and then Pepe to add some more pace down the wing. Yeah, I mean, look, the match kicks off at a frantic pace. Um, lots of position for Arsenal. Quick and high press. And I mean, it was looking good at first five to five to seven minutes. Uh, then the eighth minute, Tommy Asso plays a short pass to Pepe, who ends up whipping a teasing cross. Uh, Crystal Palace keeper Geta ends up making a decent save. But I mean, the ball lands to Aubameyang and he ends up volleying the ball into the net. One or Arsenal, quick fire goal. Oh, I, I was such an excellent start. And I just thought, oh, he's him ought to come from this. And it kind of, you know, left a, po- a positive thought that, you know, you're thinking the game against Brighton, you know, it was a tough game coming to this game. And yeah, you're starting one up, you know, is a sign of things to come. Yeah, and I mean, right there, as I, you know, jotted here with my points, I mean, right there, it was almost like the, the point where Arsenal decided also to stop playing any positive football. Because all of a sudden, it became just a sort of, uh, keep position, but also not being adventurous anymore. And I, for me, it, it, it was frustrating. I mean, I ended up it, it sort of winding me up a lot. Um, you could also hear slowly. I mean, look, okay, for the majority, the Arsenal fans were, you know, on top performance. But I mean, you could see they were almost like getting frustrated. And it's not like they want to slag off the team. They want more to see more positivity. But I mean, you end up with this sort of almost like overcautious way. I mean, you don't know also if it's Arteta telling them to go this route, or is it like a sort of mindset of them as players, you know, in, in, in each, you know, personal aspect of their game, where they're nothing, okay, we're going to now like slow down, we're not going to really go out and ever go at the Eagles. I think they were trying to almost, you know, trying to catch the Eagles on the break, or, you know, kind of almost just sitting in trying to sucker punch them, but... Vieri uh, has, has Palace played very, very drilled way, and I, and I was actually admiring the football they were playing because, you know, it was a, you know, they were passing and moving, they were quicker than us to everything, they were, were always, you know, closing us down. So we made it very difficult for ourselves. It was like we were stuck in a shell and and almost like a boxer on the ropes. And for me, the midfield, I mean, I, I first thought I'm the, I'm not going to be one of like a few Arsenal fans that, that that's going to also brings up, but I mean, there's a lot of fans who are really annoyed at, at the, the sort of lack of desire and creativity by the midfield because Thomas Party was, I don't know what he was trying at times, like, you know, getting the ball instead of just filtering it through the lines faster. Uh, Emil Smith Rowe, he was almost like every time three to four touches extra, he should have just taken one or two touch. 
uh, Odegaard hanging on the ball too much, caught in position, position numerous times. Again, frustrating. Um, Saka, for the most part of that first half, was almost like just being uh, almost like the, uh, almost like isolating himself by always running away from the ball instead of trying to. Because especially in a game like that, where you know the way you were now talking or breaking it down with Palace, where they were starting to boss things in midfield, they could also have sniff they they got that sort of domination. And it's not like he was now not up for the fight, so he was more almost like on the peripheral edges of the pitch. And then you got also Pepe, the ball comes to him. Uh, besides now that, that leading up to the, the goal, um, for me, it just felt he was again doing that, that, you know, when you're really expecting something really big from him. And he's only just distancing himself from everything, not really getting active, not putting himself about. And, and it's so frustrating to watch because, as you said, throughout the podcast already, even though when I'm kind of uh, getting to the point where I'm throwing in the towel with Pepe, it's like uh, you now <laughs> kind of trying to carry the flag, so like, you, we must get behind him. And that. But it's like as much as you get behind him, he becomes like a more frustrating player because you're willing him on to do well. And that, But then when you see that sort of attitude and that almost like that, that slouch shoulders and that, and you think, is this guy really up for the fight? Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. Like, uh, I've also, like, you know, been in that same state where I've been, like, you know, Pepe needs to leave. Maybe it's not the right club for him. And then, the, like, you know, the, from, from January last season, he was just, you know, that guy that was getting you know, the goals for us. And he's quite a, 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 a weird player, with a complex player to understand because, on the one hand, you know, if you look at his numbers, you would swear that he's involved in the thick of things, he's, you know. Mm-hmm. He's doing everything well. For an inconsistent player, his numbers are quite well. It's just he needs to have more impact in a game. But like you said, you know, he was battling in this game. And it kind of... Saka plays better on the right. Mm-hmm. I think by kind of playing Pepe on the right and trying to push um, Saka to the left, you're not getting the true, the true um, talent of Saka. Because I think he is probably starting to be more uh, a better player on the left-hand side of the pitch. I mean, right-hand side, sorry. What I find infuriating when you watch Pepe play, it's like, yes, he beats one player and, he, you know, you're happy, you think, okay, fantastic. Now lay the ball off, give it. And then he tries to beat the second and he tries to beat the third. And then by that time, those three players that he's beaten have already surrounded him. And then they all, you know, they're just out bustling and they dispossess him with ease. Not even a fight, just with ease. Yeah, I know that. I think he definitely needs to, to, to work on that side of his game. And, I mean, you know, Arteta needs to... And there's no more Europa League games or, you know, where you can find your feet every second Thursday or, or you know what I mean? It, it, it's kind of, you know, if you're not going to make your place known in the squad, you're going to sit until somebody gets injured. So, I mean, like, besides just, you know, hogging the ball and then, of course, turning to trouble. I mean, this goes actually for the most of the, the uh, midfield players. I mean, I, I do know there was a point in the first half where Ben White was again doing this. And I mean, I don't know where they get, get this. I mean, you get, it's not like they're doing... Because I was kind of trying to piece it together when I was watching even a bit of um, the training video that was out on, on YouTube of Arsenal where they were doing the rondos. And it's not like they're waiting till the guy's on their toes. Then they want to lay the ball off. I mean, you can't take that rondo thing to... Uh, of course, for me, a, a training drill like that is based more on if you almost like got three players on the side of the pitch and you do the triangular passes to get through it, like the way, not passes, a Man City play the game, where they almost like little, will play little triangles and then move forward in that little triangle and move forward and move forward. But they, they, it looks very positive, it looks very attacking. But with us, it's like we're trying to dally on the ball, almost like being near cocky. 
and then we almost like get the get pumped off the ball. And I mean, especially with the new uh, rules that the Rexon are given for for the new season, it's like is the, they're not going to just blow anymore for like when you're going to get pumped off the ball when you're trying to do this like you know all that type of yeah, but oh, you know, too clever for your own good. No, that's. That is so true, and I mean, we've seen it many times in this game, and you'll probably talk about it. Our players were getting caught on the ball because they kind of are just trying to hold on to the ball, trying to, you know, not releasing the ball quick enough, not looking for the options. It was like the time to run or the or run with the ball. And Ben Weichelson makes me worried from time to time because he's always playing the ball, like, you know, sometimes a very, what's the word I'm looking for, carelessly, and can get, and, and puts us under pressure. And then, I mean, just before halftime, that that ch- challenge from uh, MacArthur on oh, no. I mean, how that can even be allowed to happen? I mean, and, and I think when Ian Wright was also analyzing the goal at after uh, the incident at after, where he said, I mean, you can't tell me that guy does not see Saka in his peripherals. And I mean, even because look, normally if you're gonna swing, I mean, you've played football also, where if you know you're gonna connect with somebody, even though you, you're going with a type of like say a volley or whatever. You can you can almost like either lessen the impact or you're gonna try to just pull your foot out of the way yes, and not yes. go full through. Yeah, I mean he actually just smashed right through his calf. He didn't really act him, you're right. He act him. That's so a that's, rage. That's, yeah, it was already and I mean for me the, the sort of standard of referee is crazy because when you see sometimes almost like innocuous stuff leading to uh, you know uh, a raid or whatever then you think you got all this technology and you telling me the ref that's standing about four or five feet away from the incident can't give a decision. Then it gets uh, given to VAR to assess. And with all that technology that they have, camera angles, camera views, you're telling me they can't even see that. So, I mean, no wonder. But uh, look, now Mike Dean and the old that crew of his uh, have been now almost like uh, demoted for the, I think, this weekend. But I mean, for me, it should have been even worse than that because, and I'm not just talking as, as an Arsenal fan. I'm talking of it's happened to other clubs as well, and other like you know, where other fans also see the same same problem, and the refs almost like just come off unscathed, almost like just a slap on the wrist. I mean, what 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 could he that can do Arsenal as well? You know that that bad decision of him in that game. Let's say that that could have, you know, it could have led to a second goal, could have led to a third. Like you know, there's, there's just so many things that permutations and combinations that you have to look into. What that trade like a trade card could have happened. That you know, I didn't. At, yeah, go. No, 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 go on, it's fine. No, because for me that moment also it, it, it goes back to as I think it was last season where. Uh, Sheffield United get a goal, but they with a goalkeeper of Aston Villa, the backup keeper, taking the ball over the line. And I mean, if you think whether well, the, the sort of small margins it came down to with Sheffield United getting relegated, and then you see that, <coughs> excuse me, that moment where it could have been now decided like that, where that three points could have been golden to them. Yes, 100%. So, so now we go back, go on to the second half. Uh, 46 minutes, of course, forced up by Arsenal. Saka coming off, Lakonga coming on. Then, I mean, a couple of minutes later, Thomas Party ends up coming with a... I mean, it was a fantastic strike. I think it just, you know, went a few inches from, from goal. But then, of course, you know, for all that sort of positivity in our mindset, the inevitable, of course, inevitable happens. And, of course, Thomas Party gets the ball. And I don't know where he goes into this full kamikaze mode because... You know, that being said, even when people were trying to analyze and overanalyze the the tackle on him by, I think it was Ayu, I'm not sure. But 
when that tackle is done, I mean, I'm like, does Thomas party? I'm thinking to myself, why are you trying to turn towards your own goal? I mean, you are a holding midfielder, but you also want to protect your defence. So it's not like leaving us as a unit at the back vulnerable because through one person not being alert enough. And because for me, even if, if that pass wasn't, gonna, like, you know, he wasn't going to be just dispossessed like that where he gets bumped off the ball. His pass was already going to nowhere because Ben White was going to the opposite direction of where he was uh, aiming his pass to. So he was almost like trying to, you would have played almost like a through ball to Benteke. If you, if you take it from that perspective. Yeah, no, that was also you know quite weak to get knocked off the ball like that as you're holding midfield there. And like you said, you know, Benteke was bearing on goal and no one was really closing him down. And and I think that you could see it, it was a goal waiting to happen, especially when he opened up his angle for yeah. himself and just just fired it past the Ramsdale to make it 1-1. Clean strike, because I mean, I mean, the way that ball just nestled in the back, you know, the base of the net that tells you how clean that strike was. Because I mean, uh, I felt really sorry for Ben White because I mean, for somebody that that it's been also because uh, you can see he was like thriving off the clean sheet factor of, of you know being the goalkeeper and that, and I mean he's doing a good job. He's really commanding his area and I mean his passing has been fantastic now. Also distribution in general. So yeah, one one. So of course. Ramsdale, of course, ends up a few minutes later again, having to come to action, ending up uh, having to also tip a ball over the crossbar. Because I mean, now all of a sudden, Palace tails are up, and now all of a sudden, Arsenal was playing even war within themselves. Because every time there was like we had a goal kick or a throw in in our half, the board would just get booted forward, and you see Palace come back at us. And I'm thinking, is there nobody going to now put their foot on the ball and sort of try to dictate the game a bit? Try to keep us in position for like longer than five uh, five minutes, and it's only like we just kept on losing position. Then also ended up making a sub sixty-seven minute Odegaard coming off, Lacazette coming on, just almost like add some sort of oomph. I mean, I think it took a matter of minutes because before Laka ended up forcing, forcing the Palace keeper into a fantastic save. Uh, a minute later, straight from the counter, Palace then string a lightning, uh, you know, few passes together. Arsenal, of course, of course, being caught totally outnumbered. I think it was four versus two Arsenal defenders. Gallagher then ends up feeding Olise, who then, of course, feeds Edouard. And, I mean, he almost like uses Ben White as a sort of marker. Shield, yeah. Yeah, the shield thing. And he ends up just eating almost, almost like a sort of knuckleball pass, the keeper. And it's 2-1 Palace. Yeah, but like if you go back, I could be nitpicking, but that should have been a foul that, that, that on Lekonga. I think that um, the lead-up, yeah, they, I think it was Gallagher who tripped him. I think you see Gallagher doesn't get the ball and actually goes through the back of, of him. So, you know, if you, if, if you wanted to look at that properly as well, you know, you could have had a different decision. But, you know, 2-1 to Palace and you're thinking to yourself, oh, are we back to square one again? Yeah, then 81st minute Martin and he comes on. And I mean, one of the worst players of the evening, Thomas Party, he ends up coming off. I just think to myself, I mean, for somebody that, that was hailed, so like one of the top holding bids in in La Liga and now coming to England, I, I mean, I think he, I think I mentioned it last week also in the podcast, he's not quickly coming to a realisation that he's not going to have that sort of time or, you know, having the likes of Saul or Koke beside him that's also kind of, you know, keeping his backside clear. So it's like now he's also like made vulnerable now. Also with, with Shaka not being there, yeah. he's... Really struggling. I mean, I think you brought it up a while back also, even in the last podcast, where you said, it's not like party, not party, but, but 
Ja, party thrives when Zaka is beside him. When he has almost like take that full leadership role in the holding midfield, you can actually see the like, you know the flaws to his game. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, then at the seventh minute, Tierney ends up cracking a shot against the crossbar. I mean, I just thought to myself, you know, is this now it is our last chance? Because I mean, I felt empty. I mean, my son was watching with me. He's also like all wound up, you know, like a damn knot in that. And then, I mean, 95th minute when I'm almost like just on, I'm actually running on fumes like as a gooner. Patterson, of course, don't deal with the, with the Arsenal corner. Ben White ends up, of all people, holding position, ends up beating a half volley, which kind of gets uh, blocked and slash deflected. Ball ends up spilling to Lacazette, and I mean, he ends up hooking the ball home 2-2 on the night. But I tell you, I mean, my son was going ballistic. I just sit there like a, like a corpse in the chair. I was like, I'm a... Because, <laughs> I mean, I just felt... I, I was so I'm like, you know, invested in the squad for... Like yes. say four minutes, and when it came to that point with a with a equalizer, I mean it's fantastic and that to not to now lose, but I just felt I had like nothing left in me to even celebrate. I don't know how you were feeling at that. No, moment. no, no. I, I didn't feel also like especially with with the, I just like you know do that the Wenger uh, fist pump salute in there, but compared to the first goal when I celebrated, but. Yeah. I just thought that this game could have been won, and I thought it was two points dropped. Yes, we came back from the table, but I thought. You know, two points dropped because it would have been nice to pick up, you know, three points and and just move up further up the table. Yeah. So yeah, we go on to last night's match. Uh, Arsenal was Aston Villa, uh, crunch game versus Villa. Uh, you know, Arteta ring the changes again. The Stan Pepe, Odegaard, and Tierney are out. I think Tierney was only out due to some sort of ankle uh, injury that he picked up in training during the course of the week. But I mean, in came Lokonga, Lacazette, and Tavares. And I mean, from the first whistle, Arsenal already looked positive. And I mean, on the front foot. And I mean, it was also a big positive seeing that Nuno Tavares driving the team forward with whatever yeah. opportunities he was getting. And I mean, I think this is something we were lacking. And not to really, you know, slag uh, uh, Tierney off. But I just think Tierney is a, I mean, I think you and I brought it up also in the podcast, previous ones. I think he's just been overplayed because he's playing almost like roughly oh, most of the games for Scotland. He's playing uh, just even most of the games for Arsenal as well. So I think it, it comes also to a point, even without now international football, I just think he's almost like being played to the point where he's into the ground where he needs to recharge his batteries a bit and then, you know, come back stronger. And I mean, we do know that with him as a player and a character that is in his nature of, of coming, you know, fully into it again. Yeah, no, definitely. But like you said, Nuno Tavares was excellent. He was driving the team forward. Him and Smith Rowe were dictating things. So they, they struck up a very good relationship. And, you know, seeing Saka back on the right-hand side was good. He was playing in his position. And seeing Laka playing a bit of a central role, but, you know, dropping deeper to come collect the ball, it, it worked very well. Yeah, and I mean, for me, 23rd minute Arsenal, you know, just peppering the Villa goal, you know, with the either little passes or having little shots at them. And I mean, the breakthrough then came on the, the 23rd minute where Smith Rowe's corner is met by Thomas Partey. I think he glances the header, but I think it flicks also off his shoulder. And I think that just takes it away from Amy Martinez, one or Arsenal. Yeah, your, your, your play had proved you wrong with his uh, <laughs> zero shots this time. His head worked better than his, his left boot. So maybe he should start editing the ball more. But what I also saw was that like, 
you know, the corners, we were trying that a lot, trying to find, you know, party was running at the near post, you know, trying to do that near yeah, post run. I, I mean, there was little flick-ons, and I was thinking, okay, at least he's now aiming his little headers also to the far post, not just to, you know, attempt uh, things that go. Then, 30th minute, uh, McGinn ends up giving the ball away to Smith Rowe, who breaks on the counter. I mean, he ends up uh, freeing Nuno Varas, who in turn finds Saka, and then, I mean, Saka enforces Martinez, Martinez into a fantastic save to palm, I mean, to flick the ball off with his foot. His foot. Yeah, but he should have, he should have moved it away. I mean, that's a guilt is chance. I think, you know, in, in bigger games, you need to make that 2 no. I mean, I actually thought, I mean, maybe it's my, like, football mind of, like, you know, you you having to play, like, having played football. I actually thought when that ball came rolling to him like that, I thought he was going to dink it. Because when I yes, saw yes, yes. flat and spraying himself across, on the, like, you know, on the deck, I had just a little dink to that, that, that far post, and I mean, you got it in, but I mean, you made not that sort of decision. Um, the momentum there, you know, compared to Palace, you know, where we, which, well, there's another point where I liked with the team, it's like, you could see those players that now weren't in were also kind of the problems that were the cause of things in that Palace game, because there was uh, more, like, with the team playing general, it was more fluid, like, fluidity was top-notch, the ball just kept moving through the, you know, the, 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 the through the gears because you saw Tavares, you know, not only surging forward, but on a, releasing people, sending either Smith or who's like playing like a sort of floating role or Saka that's at the bombing down the wings like that. So you always saw that and the ball, even, I don't know if you know, but you picked up also, but them, even when the ball was in the central midfield position, it got shifted out way faster. Yes. And I think, Odegaard is not like he sometimes admires his touches too much. Oh, that's why he hangs. I mean, because I just think to myself, he really has a lot to prove because a, a pundit made a, a decent comment last week, I think, where he said, I don't know who the pundit was exactly, but the comment was, when you, uh, like a marquee signing for a club, you're not supposed to be a hold of 60 minutes every match, which is yeah. what happened to Odegaard because he's either running out of gas or he's not contributing enough and then that, that is where something we, I think he should, should now do some, you know, self-reflection uh, where he must now look at his own style of play and his own game and bring that to the, uh, the table. Because I think he's going to also fall short if he's going to keep on with that sort of thing. Because I mean, there are many players now that are willing to take his place in the squad. And I, mean, I like that sort of competition as well. Yeah, like Lekonga like, like brought out also a better game for Party Because Party did relatively well in that first half, <laughs> I mean, compared to Palace. So... Yeah, maybe he likes a guy next to him in like a double pivot kind of thing, but you also have that attacking outlet. And I think Lacazette added a lot of you know, spice in the middle yeah. as well. You're dropping deeper, coming to tackles. And like I said, you had Saka, Smith Rowe. And then it was like, you know, Smith Rowe, I know he's not the fastest guy, but he can have a bit of turn of pace when he's running forward on the counter. But he also had Tavares also kind of adding that pace that he lacked slightly on that left-hand side. And, you know, Saka will be Saka on that side. And what I like to say is Tommy Yasuo is also, you know, in the thick of things all the time. He's not making an interception. He's winning a header or playing a pass. So, on uh, in the 46th minute on the stroke of halftime, um, after VR check, he didn't end up showing. Uh, Met Target ended up clipping Lacazette. The, I mean, the VAR check took about, I think, roughly about four minutes because even though we were supposed to be already running into injury time, but then after the, the VAR check, it was now decided it was a, a foul by a target on Lacazette, penalty given. And I mean, of course, 
Martinez was again trying his penalty gamesmanship that he was doing at Old Trafford and what he did at the Copa America also. But I mean, I think Lacazette and he also had a few exchanges there. And I mean, you know, the minute the penalty now got put on the, the ball, got put on the spot in it, I already had a bad vibe because also. I, because I just thought to myself, Martin has now already gotten into people's head because I think he was trying to get at uh, Obama Young before the penalty. So, I mean, Obama Young walked away with the ball at one point. But I mean, when he put it down, I already, part of me did not want to watch the penalty. And then, I mean, of course, when I saw the, the, the save being done and I'm like, you know, my heart just wants to start sinking. But when I saw the ball end up, you know, kind of bouncing favorably to Alba, and I mean, he ends up just smashing the ball home. Like, I mean, perfect rebound penalty goal and two no Arsenal. Two no Arsenal in half the time. I don't think there was much you could ask for as a, as a fan, you know, being two no up half time against Villa, who's been our team of, um, mm. you know, they've always been our, our kryptonite recently. But, you know, that being said, I just thought that we wouldn't taper off like we did when we played against Spurs, but actually come with, you know, more, more, like, intense, more intensity. Because, I mean, I think the first of the ones that was, um, <coughs> excuse me, oh, um, Aston Villa had, like, zero goal attempts and Arsenal had something like 16 at that point. So, yeah, we go into the second half. Villa, make a, you know, it was now obvious they were going to make a sub because there was just like no attacking threat really. So they end up bringing on uh, Leon Bailey. Um, Arsenal, of course, kind of like not too bad, you know, too bad, but they were like kind of soaking up a bit of the pressure. Watkins ends up, you know, forcing uh, Ramsey into a, a near post save. And I mean, I was just trying to think, you know, don't get yourselves into that, that Palace rut again, please. I mean, don't that. Because also, then, 51st minute, Ben White has to then throw his body on the line to block a goal-bound effort by Danny Ings, I think. Then, uh, what was it, five minutes later, McGinn shot, then gets intercepted by Smith-Rowe. I mean, a great interchange between Smith-Rowe and Alba, and I'm going to remind you a bit of that, that build-up to the Tottenham goal. Uh, Smith-Rowe gets fed by Alba, who in that controlling, composes himself, gets himself into the Villa box, and then lets it up with a shot, and I think it just ends up flicking over of Mings's shin or ankle or something like that. And that little touch just ends up taking the ball away from Martinez and into the goal. Uh, in of the post, sorry. And it's 3-0 Arsenal. Yeah, that, it was just it, um, amazing atmosphere at the Emirates. The crowd was going crazy. Arsenal were on fire. And he just was hoping for more goals to come. You know, you're hoping for a goal black. But, you know, that being said, um, you know, we scored three goals. Our last game at the Emirates was 18-3 games at the Emirates, and we've been always been asking for goals. So, you know, we've we, we started to get it. Yeah. Then 62nd minute, Buendia ends up smashing a shot at the Arsenal goal. And I mean, Ramsdale again has to, you know, be at his best, and he ends up deflecting the ball over. Then 71st minute, Obama ends up, you know, eating one of those bending uh, shots from just outside the box. Martinez again spring to life and, you know, palming the ball away for a corner. Arsenal now, I think the year, by the 80th minute, Arsenal again start in this sort of switching off mode, which that's the thing that really gets under my skin when I see that sort of thing. I mean, I, look, I know you can't play high-octane football constantly in that, but I mean, I think we need to also learn how to control the game better with, you know, just we, I mean, I don't know if you now watch, say, Man City games often or Liverpool. You can actually see when they are getting tired, they will just knock the ball like a training ground thing. They'll yeah. just 
you know, everybody, you know, gather your, your, uh, your you know, your breath back in it. And then afterwards, then we go again. With us again, things get too frantic. If we're frantic, we end up, you know, more hoofing the ball forward than doing things in a controlled fashion. And I mean, Vala, of course, you know, see this, they pick up on it. They already, you know, start swarming us more, you know, winding around to the last eight minutes of the game. And then, I mean, the substitute Jacob Rams ends up blasting the ball, a simple ball into the net. Ramsdale, of course, loses his shit completely because it's, I think, again, Thomas Party that lets the guy run free. It doesn't really pick up the sort of runner. So it's not like he just wanna, uh, gets, like, you know, bounced off the ball. And, I mean, allowing that youngster of, of uh, Villa to, you know, just hit. I mean, it was a beauty of a goal to beat yeah. Ramsdale. But, I mean, again, needless, because I would have really uh, needless goals considered, and I would like to have gone with this game also to really... Uh, you know, plug home our advantage and with a, with a clean sheet, but you know, it's not to be. Yeah, unfortunate, but we, you know, we we take the we take the we take the win. You know, it, we, it's been we've had you know kind of horrible games against um, the likes of Villa and even Palace. So we take four points out of a possible six, even though I was chasing mm-hmm. after that um, that six points. But, yeah. you know, it is what it is, and you, you take away from it. I mean, we tied, what, if you look at the log, we tied 14 points with United. I think we, we you know, they were probably, they played Liverpool, who seem on fire, and Brighton as well. We one point behind the fourth spot, Brighton. So, you know, there's a lot of positives to take. I think um, uh, the game in the week against Leeds, you know, will be a good game to get some people to to get some form on. I know Leeds probably won't want to risk much because I think their their sole purpose now is to stay in the Premier League and avoid any other distractions. Yeah, I mean, look, Leeds are now dangling dangling at seventeenth position in the league, so I don't think they really want to you know make needless sort of uh, you know or risk certain players that are key figures to them. And I mean. The injury list is all like growing by the week because I mean I'm not just having a quick look at this squad. Even now it's like uh, Junior Furpo, he's out. Uh, Calvin Phillips, he's out with a calf injury. Luke Ailing, who's the you know number one, number two uh, right back, he's out. Bamford is out till uh, November, and then you've got that Koch guy who's also going to be on like late into December. So they've got, and I mean I think with Arsenal it's just like we've got Granit Xhaka. Uh, so the knee injury, and I think that he's think he's gonna probably be till December or January, uh, and then of course Tierney is probably uh, easily next week. Not next week, in two weeks time we'll probably see him because it's in early November with with Tierney with his ankle. But I mean, it's gonna be. A, I think it's gonna be a good match anyway because Bielsa somebody is gonna you know probably have a right pop at us, even though he has to be cautious. But he will go even with his youngsters and whatever he throws in. He will probably have a right go at us, and I think we need to be. Alert, and I think also there's another opportunity also for people like, um, you know, El Nini to force his way maybe into the sort of team setup because he's almost like now being distanced also now from the squad. Because uh, you can see Arteta has almost like this little group of, you know, 13, 14 players that he now, you know, fully wants to concentrate on with the squad. But I mean, I just hope with the, with the Leeds game, we can actually also throw some youngsters in because I mean, I really want to see. You know what, these under 23 guys, those are, you know, the ones that are really the talented ones that are knocking on, that are actually training also now with the first team to see what they're actually worth and, and capable of. No, 100%. I, I agree fully.
Yeah. So, do you have any talking points before we? I, I have one question for you. Basically, it, it's uh, somebody has so posted it, but um, would you have swapped Arsenal's Invincibles thing, you know, for them to lose at least one game in the Invincible season, for us to have beaten Barcelona in the Champions League final, to have a Champions League zone name instead of being Invincibles? God, that is a tough question. Because <laughs> I mean, for me, that that. You know, that golden trophy alone, you know, will something to us on that for the rest of our lives. But I mean, I think uh, what you, that point that you now make, it's like, that's all like, what's the thing that's going to get away from us that moment where you can say, you know, having won at least a Champions League once in our, in our you know, fan life. But I mean, uh, it's tough. But I mean, uh, I mean, maybe I'm old school, but I mean, I just, I mean, for me, I'm happy with the Invincible thing. Okay. Yeah. I was also leading towards that, actually. But I mean, uh, just to, to, to elaborate a bit, it's like I would have even taken like a Europa League victory, like even like you know, in the old days of the UEFA Cup, even something like that, I would have liked it as well at some point. But I mean, we always seem to kind of lose the edge or lose the nerve or something in these sort of games. Where I mean, I think with the Champions League final, it was down to you know. That guys, I mean, we ended up sneaking a goal, but I mean, physically, we just didn't have it. That last like five minutes of the game when Barca kicked into overdrive. Was that thin man also with the one man advantage was a massive difference. And I think we could have actually, you know, beaten them on the day if Lehman didn't get sent off. And then now losing the UEFA Cup in 2000 with Galatasaray. Galatasaray, oh, a penalty shootout. Penalty shootout. We, I mean, we just did not look at the races or the shootout. I mean, in the game, we were too almost like casual. It was almost like a sort of game where we could have, you know, buried them. But it's not like we were too too cocky with the sort of finishing. I think that's like where the ego type of thing came in. And then you take now the that that, that um, Europa League final with Chelsea, where we were just never in the game. Yeah. So I mean, I just wish we can have a sort of run like that again. But I think your your aspect also, I think. Were your prediction at the start of the season where you said, you know, having a solid run in the Europa League, not Europa League, the Carabao Cup, and actually even go for it, like really go for yes. it. Because look, now this time around, we're not having like backup keepers or whatever. Now we're having almost like a, a top number two now that can be playing now for us. And, and you know, other players that are also now still trying to play, not only for their careers, but also some that are playing for possible moves in January already or something like that. So maybe they can, uh, you know, put on a real performance for us because I still think Maitland-Niles has still something in him that can, you know, you can offer the club. Um, Pablo Marie and, and, and Holding can still, you know, do their thing in the Carabao Cup. And I mean, like, people like Callum Chambers also can do still something in this, like, what they have left of the Arsenal careers. No, I agree 100% with you with that. Yeah. So with that, I hope you guys now can kick back your feet, watch other teams maybe fuck up over the weekend. Take <laughs> care, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. Enjoy, enjoy the weekend.